Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. In the fall of 2018, Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, sat down with Tina Ramirez to have a conversation about the work of her organization called Hardwired. What they talked about should be of intense interest to anyone passionate about religious liberty. Their conversation was recorded in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network. I'll let Lincoln Steed introduce his guest. Let's listen. My name is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. And my guest is Tina Ramirez, president and founder of Hardwired. Thank you, Lincoln. It's nice to be with you today. And that doesn't tell people much about what you do, but that's why you're here. I want you to explain a little bit about your organization and maybe what has been a focal activity, at least in, in one country I know about. What is Hardwired? So Hardwired is an organization that provides education and training on religious freedom around the world. We believe that we're all hardwired for freedom. And so that's what we're trying to do is to establish leaders in countries where this freedom is at risk so that they can defend it and strengthen the protection of this freedom. You have a big charter because, what, 70% of the world? Yeah, it's a big undertaking. But we believe that we can turn the tide against persecution if we will begin to establish local leadership Mm. and education for religious freedom. I mean, in America, this is something that we take for granted every day. You do, if you have an issue, you can go yeah. any lawyer down the street and they can defend your religious liberty. But the reality is in most of the world, there simply isn't someone to turn to to defend you when you're persecuted. And yeah. so um, we're trying to establish that local leadership to turn the tide. Yeah, very good. And I, and I know uh, in one country in particular that's been in the news since, since after 9-11 in, in Iraq, you've really been able to make quite a difference, haven't you? Yeah, it's been fun to actually write about it for Liberty for several years now. I know. Unfortunately, we were like the bellwether, you know, explaining what was going to happen, and then it happened, and then we just had to report on how sad the ramifications Persecution is one of those things that you can see where when a country is going south. And the situation in Iraq was pretty indicative that it wasn't going to get any better without making religious freedom a priority in the country. And so for many years after the United States went in to Iraq and or through Saddam, you had a very unstable country and there was a lot of conflict between the different Sunni and Shia factions and religious minorities were really put caught in, in the middle. Caught in the middle. Yeah, a rock between a hard place. Well, so, you're jumping ahead of me, but I wanted to ask you the question that I really don't read about or hear about, we hear the problem after the fact. What was it like before the US-led invasion, Gulf War II, the bringing down of Saddam? What was it like before? Did this just suddenly appear, all this religious intolerance and persecution? For the last few years, I actually researched and wrote a small book on Iraq for an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. And it talks about the history of the church in Iraq, the Christian church, and how they've lived under persecution and the hope in the midst of that darkness that they faced. This is not something new for the people of Iraq. I mean, whether it's for the Christian community or the Yazidi community or other religious communities, they have been living under persecution and recurrent cycles of violence for generations. I mean, really for the last 2,000 years. So this is nothing new. It's worth asking the question. Now, there's been a lot going on in, in uh, Iraq lately, but ISIS or ISIL or Daesh, depending on how you yeah. define them, 
they seem to be uh, disappearing as a military force and they took over Mosul in Iraq. What is happening now with their fade away? Is religious liberty improving in Iraq? Well, that's a big question. I, I don't know that you can say that it's improving yet. However, of course, you know, the people that aren't living under ISIS anymore have some reprieve, but from the immediate terror of ISIS, which is, which is a huge benefit. But I don't know that you would say that just because of that, they automatically have greater freedom or, no. or a sense of security in their country. Maybe they're, they're just shell-shocked and it's just, yeah, uh, what, what next? After right, I think, and I think it's important for people to understand there were a lot of people, millions of people living under ISIS in Mosul and other parts of Iraq and Syria. But in Mosul in particular, there were 600,000 children that were living in Mosul that were indoctrinated to hate for the last three years. I mean, they had textbooks teaching them one bomb plus one bomb equals you know, two bombs and how to kill people of different faiths, et cetera. So, and girls were not allowed to go to school at all. So, Well, you're touching yeah. on an issue that re- that's, that's bigger than just this part of the world. And I've thought about this over the years. You know, the, the Soviet Union used to indoctrinate citizens and young people particularly against the evils of capitalism in Cuba particularly the evils of imperialism in the US North Korea they're indoctrinating their population to hate the US and the West how do you undo that when you teach impressionable young people and they grow up that way that's not not undone at the snap of a finger well there's two issues going on one I mean you have what ISIS did that has has severely traumatized the children of Iraq For many of the children of Iraq, that's all they've ever known is Mm -hmm. recurrent cycles of religious killings, hatred, intolerance, violence. Think 14 years that we've been there. And so those children, that's all they've seen for the last 14 years. You have a whole generation that's been raised on that. But in addition to that, they're living in a culture that has frequently denied the most basic inherent right to freedom of religion. Yeah. They, and they have seen intolerance in general and across their society and attacks on, on minorities or people of diverse faiths. So this is, I mean, it happened under Saddam. It happened, it's been happening for generations. This is nothing new. And one of the things that Hardwired does is that to end that recurrent cycle of violence and hatred, the deep-seated ideologies that that fuel this, you have to get to the root cause of it, which is really the beliefs that they have and helping to re-educate them in a way that that teaches them to value religious freedom. So that's one of the things we're working on with leaders, but also with children. And for children that have lived through ISIS, the methods that we're using are extremely vital because they're the only methods in Iraq right now that are helping children overcome their trauma and replace it with values that will Mm -hmm. help them end that recurrent cycle of violence. Yeah, and I, and I, I know you're onto a good thing yeah. and doing a wonderful <laughs> job there. And, and as a counterpoint, even to my comment, it does seem, even though in these different systems, and ISIS was doing it too, indoctrinating young people is very toxic. Mm-hmm. And yet in different places, like I'm trying to think of the country in Africa where there was the army of God, you know, these little kids that they were abducting mm-hmm. and then teaching yeah. them to be murderers. It's amazing in many cases how easily once they come into a positive situation that all sort of disappears. Mm. I think you do see the effects of that carried on into generations. That's why there's recurrent. Well, I think it must be, but I, you right. read such wonderful success stories like kids uh, that were hacking people to death now or attending a regular school. And in those countries, they've had really specific programs that have helped re-educate the children. Practical. Yeah, and we don't have that right now in Iraq. So since ISIS invaded Iraq, you had 18 mass graves where they just killed tens of thousands of Yazidis and buried them. Then you have, on top of that, 6,000 young girls that were trafficked, half of which have escaped. And then you had 900 youth, children, that were 
the kids of the caliphate that were taught to become jihadist soldiers. Mm -hmm. And even those children that have escaped or that have been kidnapped back out of ISIS, when they speak with their parents, share how they believe that they are members of ISIS still. They don't even have any respect for their former religion or their families. This is a whole community that's just been decimated. And on top of that, you then have the people that have escaped living amongst the other communities, the Kurds and the, and the Iraqis across the country and the region. And there's an inability of children to make sense of what's happening around them. So just as an example, something that we're seeing in the schools where we're working, one teacher reported how she came across a group of young boys playing a game. And when she went closer to see what it was, she was terrified because the boys were playing a game where they were beheading another student. Incredible. To them, it was just a game. Mm -hmm. But she could understand that for them to identify with a terrorist group isn't just like playing superhero or cowboys and Indians that you see kids. It's much more intense to be that close to the problem where ISIS is still in your backyard yeah. and kids are identifying. And these are kids that weren't even affected personally by ISIS, but because that was, I mean, kids associate with the superhero. And so that's the winning, that was the winning ticket for a long time in Iraq. Um, as they were making a lot of headway and gains, that that's what kids were associating with. And it's terrifying to think that kids are identifying with it. So now the teachers have this huge problem on their hand because as kids are, are moving and coming back and reintegrating, they have to deal with the after effects of that. And those are kids that didn't go through the severe trauma that are just indirectly affected. So it's across all aspects of society there's a, that there's a challenge and there's no program for re-education outside of what we're doing to help them. Tell me your take on this. ISIS is a murderous aberration of a religion with a political ideology thrown in. But it does resonate with a lot of the mm -hmm. pre-existent views in that society. And for better or worse, Islam in that part of the world is not known for its tolerance. It's a very closed societal issue. Mm -hmm. And even Saddam may live in infamy, was sort of damping down the, the religious tensions and, and so on in his country. So how do we get rid of that? Because I think Iraq is at heels unless the societal intolerance of other faiths, which derives from their long-standing historic application of their religion, it, it, it won't get any better. I think that's sort of the root cause in some ways. Well, the root cause of the problem is definitely intolerance, extremism, ideologies where there's no room for the religious other. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's existed even under the Zoroastrians. Oh, yes. It goes know, 2,000 years way. ago. So yeah. this, is, this is not necessarily something new. It's just who, whoever's in power is the one that seems to stamp out anyone that is a dissident yeah. or is a minority. So that's what we see happening in Iraq. But the way to correct that is through education yeah, in the value the of religious freedom, the freedom of conscience, and teaching them to value and to respect the religious other. There were times in Iraq where people lived side by side and they got along. But the problem in Iraq, as in any country in the world, is that if people have fears of others or intolerant attitudes inside of them, they're going to act those out or misperceptions of others. And so the challenge really is through education to root out those fears and misconceptions yeah. and biases towards the other. I remember one of the uh, stories we ran, but we had the teaching illustration used of growing a garden yeah. and the little flower. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought of something. I connect disparate things. I can remember during the Vietnam War, you know, the hippies putting the flowers in the muzzles of the guns. Oh, wow. Have you ever seen that picture? Yeah, yeah. In a certain way, that's what we need 
need to do. I mean, it's not deep, complicated arguments, but go back to just a sort of a childlike simplicity where you accept other people, you're biased toward nonviolence and non-confrontation. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to what Hardwired's doing in Iraq, which is we believe that to have peace and stability in the future, you need to end this recurrent cycle of violence through educating children and the value of religious freedom. You're onto something wonderful. You've been listening to part one of a conversation between Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, and Tina Ramirez, the founder and director of Hardwired, an organization that does many great things around the world trying to reclaim minds and hearts after evil has taken over their land and their society and their culture. They're trying to rebuild, help rebuild from the ground up so that those kinds of activities will cease not only in real, but also in minds and in bodies and in souls. We'll continue this conversation in our next program with part two with Tina Ramirez. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed and Tina Ramirez, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>